Well, hey, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Hey, so I was, I was listening to this podcast uh, a few weeks ago, and, oh, thank you, and uh, they asked a really interesting question that I've been surprisingly probably putting more thought into than I normally would, and uh, it had to do with uh, if you could only have one condiment, like for the rest of your life, and like use no other ones, like ever, uh, what would it be? Like, and it was funny because in the, in the, uh, the podcast, they were talking about how, uh, you know, like what exactly a condiment was, like, do you include things like salt or pepper, like, or are those more spices and those aren't considered condiments. And they literally like did, did this like huge deep dive into what exactly a condiment was. And so, and in fact, one guy had, in fact, had actually even said that he would choose queso is the one condiment, which I'm like, is queso a condiment? Like... I mean, I guess you put that on stuff and dip stuff in it, like, because I would kind of want to go with that one. Um, But, like, if you could only have one and no other for the rest of your life, what would it be? Well, right now, like, in the current season of life that I'm in, the one that I would choose is Sweet Baby Ray's Buffalo Sauce. Has anyone ever had this before? It's, like, the most amazing thing ever. Like, I put it on everything. I put it on my eggs. Like, it's seriously that good. Like, and I just... Because I use it so much, I'm like, I think I would be okay, like, just having that on everything. Like, I don't mind having a little bit of a spice, a little bit of a kick. Um, but anyway, this is something that maybe you could talk about over lunch as you're trying to decide what condiment to get or as you go home. Have that discussion this week. What, if I could only have one, like, would I just choose salt for the rest of my life or would just mustard or just ketchup? Like, what would it be? For me, uh, I guess Sweet Baby Ray's Buffalo Wing Sauce is now the official sponsor of New Hope Church. Uh, I'm just call, I'm calling it. But no, this is important as we are getting ready to bring this uh, series in for a landing call. And I want to make sure I still haven't learned it, even by the end of the series. Your everyday, ordinary, sleeping, eating, walking around life. We gave it a really long name because it's a really important series. Because we're coming out of Easter Sunday, out of Resurrection Sunday, asking the question, so what? Jesus rose from the dead. So what? What does that mean moving forward? Like, how does the... So that's what we've been looking at over this. We've been looking at how you offer up your will to God, the very core of who you are, the part that says yes, the part that says no, that we surrender that to God. We don't try to will our way through the spiritual life, but instead we surrender our will to God. And once we begin to do that, and our mind begins to change in the way we see and view and think about the world, but not just that, our physical body, this is what I talked about last week, our physical bodies are just as much a spiritual life as any other part. So it's not this physical isn't something that I want to get away from. It's something that I actually offer up to God as a sacrifice to him. And through things like discipline, I sips. And if we can grab a hold of those ingredients, it can be utterly transformative. And so today I want to look uh, in the letter that Paul wrote to the Philippian church and where he looks at what I believe is the most important ingredient in any relationship. If you want to have relationships that are transformed by the presence of Jesus, and that's what makes the Christian community unique, is that we as a community, we are gathering around the presence of Christ. And so there should be a difference. Like if we are genuinely gathering around the transformative presence of Christ, there should be a difference in our relationships. And so Paul writes about this, what this kind of key ingredient is. And so we'll go ahead and jump into Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 1. 
This is what he writes. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. So he's naming some truths that are just supposed to be accepted. Like this is our reality as followers of Jesus. So he says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. So he's like, okay, all of us are united with Christ. If any comfort from his love. So we are are all deeply loved by God. Imagine how different your life would be if every interaction that you had with people, you treated that person as if you just knew with utter confidence that that person was deeply loved by God. How differently would we treat people? If any common sharing in the Spirit, so we're all sharing from the same Spirit as well, the Spirit that was poured out on Pentecost, we are all sharing and drinking from that same Spirit. If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same... Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And so he lays it out really, really clearly. The secret ingredient we are often missing in our relationship and vain, conti- vain conceit. He says these two things are the, the primary relationship destroyers that we deal with. Now, what is selfish ambition and what is vain conceit? Well, I'll start with the first one. Selfish ambition refers to rivalry that we kind of create like in a sense of me versus him, us versus them. It stands at the heart of our human fallenness and where self-interest takes center stage over and against other people. Meaning that I am primarily driven by in all of my dealings and everything I do, what will benefit me the most? What will give me the advantage in the situation? How can I one-up on this person or one-up in this situation that I'm always looking out for number one, even if I might put a false modesty in front of it? Ultimately, at the end of the day, my decisions are driven by what is best for me. See, the only person who wins with selfish ambition is me. So if you want to be really successful and get ahead in life, then by all means, follow selfish ambition because you will, and you'll probably trample over some people to do it, but you'll most likely end up being successful because you'll always put yourself first. So that's selfish ambition. The second one is vain, constantly forget, because they move on to the topic comes along and replaces it. And so Paul, he's saying here in this text, like, do nothing from these motivations. Do nothing from selfish ambition. Do nothing from vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Don't think about yourselves first. And I've heard it said like this. There's a pastor I remember hearing say this where he says, we need to realize that we, you know, living in a very me-centered world, it is very, very easy to live by selfish ambition and vain conceit. We need to remember that the most important me is the me next to me. The people God has in my life, those are the most important person, you know, people, not me. The most important me is the me next to me. I remember seeing this lived out. This was uh, four or five years back. I had gone on a missions trip to Honduras, and there was a group, you know, group of us. There was maybe, I don't know, 15, 15 or so of us going. And uh, something that one of the leaders had said, like when we're all kind of gathering together, getting ready to load up the things, they're like, okay, guys, here's the thing. They're like, you know, I feel like God put something on my heart, and this is the theme for the trip. As we're going and serving these people in a, in, in a third world country, this is, this is the theme that I want us to live out. You know, no matter what we do, this is always our motivation. It's two words. Prefer others. In everything you do, 
prefer others. And, he was, and it, it was being based actually off this Philippians 2 text. Like, don't think about yourself and everything you do. Just this week that we're gone, prefer others. And it started out as kind of a joke. I mean, of course we heard it and I'm like, oh yeah, like that's biblical. Like that's great. Yeah, for sure. And then as we're going, it started out as a joke because it's like, ooh, let me prefer others. I'll hold the door open for you. Or hey, why don't you take my van in the seat? I'll prefer others. And so we almost invoked it as a joke. Like everything we do, like, oh, let me prefer others by letting you go first in the food line or use the bathroom before me. Or, you know, it's like, I'll prefer others by doing that. But what was funny, what started out as a joke became a habit because probably somewhere maybe about halfway through the trip, we stopped talking about it and we were just doing it. We were constantly putting each other, caring for each other's needs, not thinking about ourselves. And I remember by the end of that trip, I realized like, okay, some of these people, some of these guys and girls, I literally met at the beginning of the trip. I had never met them before, never heard their name. And yet I view some of them like closer than some of my friends that I've had for 20 years. And I remember being like a little perplexed by that. Like, how could you become so close to someone that you just met literally a week ago? I met them a week ago. And I realized like, humility builds intimacy. When you present yourself, like when we have these walls of pride and selfish ambition and vain conceit, it is really hard to get to know someone because you're not really knowing them. You're knowing this facade that they're putting up, the the strong armor that they're wearing to be tough in this world. But when you take that armor off and you say, no, in preference to others, I'm just, I'm going to think of others before I think of myself, how absolutely life-changing that can be. And we were all so close and unified because we had the same mindset. We were focused on the same mission. And so this is what Paul comes to in verse 5. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, remember what I said about the nature of unity? It's not about a single-mindedness. It's not about us agreeing on every tiny little thing, agreeing on all the same ideas. I mean, sometimes it's not even about just unity itself because the truth is throughout history, even thieves and murderers have been unified. Nazi Germany systematically slaughtered 6 million Jews and other minorities because they had a unified focus and agreement on German nationalism and ethnic superiority. So it's not about unity itself. It's about what the mindset is focused on, what it's aimed at. See, Christians aren't supposed to think the exact same thoughts and agree on absolutely everything. They're supposed to have the same mindset which is Christ and his kingdom. See, here's the thing I've learned over the years is that disagreements matter a whole lot less when you're focused on the same mindset. When we agree that the biggest big picture is the main thing, little piddly things that would normally bend me out of shape and make me all angry, I realize 
don't really mean as much compared to the big picture because I'm keeping my eyes focused on Jesus because it's when I take my eyes off Jesus, that's when selfish ambition and vain conceit begin to take over. So that's it. That is the secret ingredient that we need to choose in every one of our relationships, humility, preferring others instead of myself, humble service to others instead of exerting my own advantage. And why do we do that? Not because we have to agree on absolutely everything, but because Jesus is the model for our mindset. He showed us how to lay down our preferences, lay down our own personal desires for the sake of something bigger, for the sake of something more meaningful. Can you imagine how different our relationships would be if we did this every day. In fact, I challenge you this week to live by those two words, prefer others. Actually, that may even be too grand or grandiose. I challenge you tomorrow, just one day, live by those two words, prefer others, and see how absolutely transformative it is and see how strangely people will react to you when you put others in front of yourself. And see, one of the ways that we can actually prefer others over ourselves is through serving. It's not the only way, but it is a big way. It's a significant way. And so how we want to actually end our morning here together is going to be a little bit different, a little bit of a change from normally, because normally we have a, we'll sing a song or have a reflection time or altar response time for prayer. But I'm actually going to give you an opportunity to actually live this out. We're actually going to be doing this at our Newton campus at well, uh, as well, is we're going to, I'm going to pray just in a moment. I'm going to pray and end the service, and there's a timer that is going to start on the screen. Same thing at the Newton campus. And we actually have a ministry fair out in the lobby, different ministries set up and things like that. If you are not involved serving somewhere, preferring others over yourself, I challenge you Go talk to one of those ministries. Find out an area where maybe it'll fit your gifts and where you can get involved and you can get connected into serving. Now, some of you may already be involved in serving, maybe in multiple capacities. And if that's the case, well, you just get to, you know, hang out kid-free because what the purpose of the timer is that the, uh, the New Hope Kids classes are going to continue to go even though the service is letting out. So it's going to allow you to check out the ministry fair kid-free. You don't have to go get your kids yet until the timer is done. So I encourage you, if you're not involved serving somewhere, go check out the ministry fair, talk to a few different ministries, see if there's an area that maybe you can prefer others in and use your gifts for the kingdom of God. Um, So I'll pray for this. We're going to dismiss at both of the campuses. Jonathan will give uh, instruction around uh, the Newton people where they can go uh, for their ministry fair. So I'll pray and close this out. Father, thank you uh, for what you're doing in our midst, God. God, I thank you that, Jesus, you showed us the mindset we're supposed to have where we don't think of ourselves first, but we put others do a transformative work in us so that we think of others above ourselves. And so God, that God uh, responding to this and getting involved serving would not be out of guilt, would not be out of obligation, but would be out of a genuine desire to serve you and to see your kingdom move forward. So God, we thank you.